welcome to the podcast, And the Church Said. My name is Dr. Monique Smith-Gadson, also known as Dr. Mo, a Christian licensed professional counselor specializing in marriage and family therapy. I'm your host for this weekly podcast where we discuss church and culture from a Christian counseling perspective. All of our insights are rooted biblically to foster emotional, mental, and spiritual health for individuals and churches. We aim to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Quite simply, we help the church help the people. Although I am a licensed clinician, this podcast is not intended to serve as therapy. We strongly encourage you to seek out your own personal relationship with a professional therapist. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. Okay, welcome everyone. Thank you all for listening and joining us today for our discussion. So today we have a very special guest with us, Mr. Justin Gibney. So Mr. Gibney, Justin, thank you so much for being a part of our discussion on today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. I've been um, watching and uh, participating as best as I can since you all have just initiated the and campaign. But I, what I will do is just allow you to elaborate a little bit more on that and introduce yourself to all of our listeners and just let us know who you are and the things that you are, are up to. Sounds good. Well, thanks again, Monique. I'm, I'm uh, honored to, to be speaking with you today. Again, I'm Justin Gibney. Uh, I am a husband, father, an attorney, and I'm also the uh, president of the Ann Campaign. Uh, and the Ann Campaign is a Christian a civic organization that's really trying to get Christians to engage politics and culture from the perspective of the compassion and conviction of the gospel. Uh, we think that too often Christians enter into politics and we either support social justice or moral order, right? We're either all about kind of voter rights and uh, criminal justice, or we're about the sanctity of life and uh, religious liberty and things of that nature. But when we read that, you know, when we read the gospel a little more closely, we see that the gospel is both. In fact, Ephesians 4.15 says that we have to speak the truth in love. So we can't be about truth. We can't just be about love. Those things go together. And if you don't have one, you don't have the other. We think it's the same way when you're talking about uh, social justice and moral order. Uh, if you do not have social justice, you don't have morality within your society. And if you don't have morality, there will not be uh, justice. Uh, so, so that's kind of the perspective that we come from. Uh, we have uh, pr- pretty much a, a fourfold perspective or um, objective. Number one is education. We want to make sure that we are um, raising civic literacy, so to speak, in the Christian uh, community. We also want to help Christians apply their values to the most pressing issues of the day. We're also about representation. A lot of Christians feel like they are just alone when they don't fit in with one uh, political party or the other. And we want to represent a voice that's clear and, um, and credible that says, no, this is, there's a better Christian way to do it. doesn't mean you can't be in a party, but you have to be Christian first. And we want people from you know, Montgomery, Alabama to Lincoln, Nebraska, to be able to see that uh, clearly and not feel like they're alone in that. Uh, then we, we, you know, we get down to coalition building, building and racial reconciliation. 
Uh, we think that if you are going to have a level of racial reconciliation, you have to talk about the political issues. And so we're trying to help bring both sides together, get rid of the ideology, get rid of the partisanship, and really talk as Christians about some issues that we really need to get to the bottom of. And then finally is advocacy. Uh, that's where the rubber meets the road for us. We want Christians to be advocating on behalf of things of voter rights and criminal justice. And again, also the sanctity of life uh, and issues like that. So we don't want people to fall into that false dichotomy, that false choice between love and truth or social justice and uh, uh, moral order. We, we, we think the Bible is both and Christians have to create their own framework to engage both. And that's really what the AND campaign is about. Absolutely. I was so excited when you guys launched the initiative. How long has it been now? It's been about uh, four years, almost three years, three and a half years. Was it that long? Okay, wow. It, it didn't yeah. even seem like it's been that long, but it does. yeah. Um, so I was really excited. I was there when you all launched it. Um, it was it was exciting because I've always um, just kind of wondered, like, where is that voice? Um, especially for African-Americans. Um, you know, I, I see other organizations that kind of make some attempts at that. But also, um, when I've listened to some of those discussions, I felt like some things that I wanted to hear from an African-American woman's concern <laughs> would not be addressed. So I um, just was real excited about your, your initiative. Um, and the very fact, I, I guess part of the way I, I correlated it with some with the work that I do is um, I felt like that's how people were with psychology and theology. Like they had to be separate, <laughs> um, you know, and as a matter of fact, um, for years, even when I first started being trained as a as a clinician, it would be that they would be at, um, opposing, you know, the two would always be in opposition. And I, and I was like, I, I know there's a place where these things meet, you know, there is a happy crossroad where these things can integrate and work well. And that it was where I've landed. And I'm so happy to hear that you guys have landed there as well. Um, I know as of recent, you all have a campaign that you've been doing in light of the pandemic that's been um, going on where you all have um, moved to help churches. And, and I know um, when I reached out to you and just share with you about the church just being both of our burdens and our hearts work um, just in different, you know, um, disciplines in different areas. But um, tell me a little bit about, tell us a little bit about that Church Helping Church initiative. I, I, it's been a beautiful movement. I've been so excited to see um, you all not only launch it, but just the momentum that it has taken. So if you just give us um, a moment and share with us about that, please. Oh, sure. Yeah, God is good. Um, yeah, you're referring to the Churches Helping Churches initiative, which really came out of conversations that I was having with, uh, you know, the end campaign has a pretty strong network of churches. And when I was talking to pastors in that network who pastored smaller churches, uh, there was a very clear, almost palpable anxiety just about the future, uh, especially when, you know, it was very clear that they weren't going to be able to have services for a while. And I don't think I think everybody understood why that was necessary. They weren't necessarily fighting against that, but there is the reality that for a small church in a low income area, usually you don't have a whole lot of resources coming in to begin with. Um, and then when this crisis hit, you have people who are, who are getting laid off. You have, uh, you know, folks in your congregation who can't give online because they just don't have those capabilities. And so very quickly you find yourself in a tough situation when it comes to mortgages and just, you know, any staff you might have and keeping the lights on becomes 
a huge chore and, and you could just kind of hear uh, that anxiety. And so as, as so, uh, so many things do uh, nowadays, for whatever reason, it kind of started with a tweet. So I tweeted out, hey, wouldn't it be great if larger majority churches could help some of these smaller minority churches uh, during this crisis? Wouldn't that be what the church is about? Right. Wouldn't that kind of show what we're about? People responded to it. I uh, even got a couple calls. And so I made some calls of my own to influencers I knew and then to some donors that I knew. And it was very clear that people got it. I didn't have to do a whole lot of explaining. I just kind of told people, hey, this is what the need is. And they got it. And so I said, OK, maybe there's something here. I had a meeting with a, a team, our executive team that I kind of threw together and everybody enjoyed it. I think we had a meeting on Saturday that next Tuesday. We had a website up. We reached out to the Christian, uh, the National Christian Foundation, and they're actually um, uh, administering the fund. And so what we're doing is uh, there's kind of two parts of it. So we created the COVID-19 Church Relief Fund. And with that, we raised almost $500,000 uh, to give grants to uh, small churches in low-income areas or that are serving low-income areas. So we give them the $3,000 grants. And so we've been giving those out. We got, oh man, we got 1,200, almost 1,300 applications from all over the country. And so we've been able to fund churches from, I think there's a Maybe I think there's a, a Native American reservation, a church on a Native American reservation in Wisconsin, all the way to, you know, Memphis, uh, Detroit, Miami, Los Angeles, uh, all over and have just been getting a great response. The need is bigger than, you know, even that uh, half a million dollar uh, fund. And so the other part of what we're trying to do is encourage churches with our framework, but really on their own and within their cities to reach out to some of these smaller churches. So some of the ones that we don't have the money to fund right now, we'll be sending those, the names of those churches to larger churches in their areas with hope that some of those larger churches will reach out and, and, and lend a helping hand because we believe that's really what this is about. Uh, the Bible says that we're supposed to take on each other's burdens, that if a brother is without uh, food or clothes, that we can't just give them words, right? We should, we should give them what they need and the church should be the first to do that. So we understand that there's some government assistance that some people will receive. It doesn't seem like most churches are going to actually be able to receive it because it's those funds are exhausting pretty quick. Uh, but it's really our responsibility, first and foremost, as the church. And there are a lot of churches with resources. And I'll tell you this, I have been uh, pleasantly surprised to see how many churches and Christian foundations have just jumped on board. We created a really strong coalition from uh, the Church of uh, God in Christ as part of our coalition to the National uh, Hispanic Leadership uh, Conference, uh, you know, all over the spectrum. Uh, when you talk about biblical churches that really come together to say, you know what, this is important to us and just great leaders coming and, and really being a voice and, and, and lending and promoting to what we're doing. So it's it's been awesome. Um, really a labor and love and just to see how many churches we've been able to help has been been great absolutely wow that is exciting so it, it i guess the last numbers i heard uh it, it has even increased since that so that is exciting to hear and it is it's such a beautiful representation of um, the body of christ in in action uh, working together as you say across those different spectrums not just one particular, you know, ethnic community, but just listening to you go across the spectrum, that's just absolutely beautiful. Reminds me of Dr. Dennis Edwards talking about how um, a healthy community is the best apologetic. And I do believe mm -hmm. that this is definitely, sure. you know, exemplifying that. Um, so that, yeah, that's so 
Mm-hmm. I think another element of it is too, Monique, is that we think that there's an opportunity for reconciliation here too. All right. So people come up to me interested in reconciliation and I appreciate that. I get a lot of people because they know we deal in that kind of work that says, Hey, what can I do? And I say, you know, the conversations are good. The fellowship is good. But if you just want to have a kumbaya session, you're not going to get a lot of minority folks who are interested because they're still struggling with a lot of basic issues when it comes to resources and things of that nature. So if we're not talking about changes in policy, uh, civically, if we're not talking about uh, resources and how we can help one another, it's just a tough conversation to have because it, it's, it really is nothing more than words. This is a perfect opportunity and a perfect example to show how we can come together in more than just words and be there for one another in a way that's uh, self-sacrificial, that, that, that in a crisis, the church should always step up and that's happening. And I think it's going to provide us with an opportunity even post-COVID-19 to really build on something and be the united church that we should be. Absolutely. And that is so encouraging because I, I mean, as you and I talked about on my most recent podcast about, I know churches are stretched so thin. I know individuals are stretched so thin. I know everybody is, um, you know, the like you said, the anxieties are heightened for more reasons than just, how are we going to make it? You know, people have lost so many family members, like, you know, just back to back to back before they can even process one death. You know, there, there is another. And I was just even talking about while we are meeting those um, critical survival needs, those issues, I'm also thinking about, I understand even from the mental health perspective, the earlier intervention, you know, the better, even in a crisis, you know, just as well. So um, I'm glad to hear that even how you guys are meeting some of these physical um, needs for the churches, the anxiety. Um, I just was even talking about, you know, and it's kind of commonsensical, but sometimes I think we just have to say it that as people's incomes began to decrease like symptoms of PTSD and anxieties and depressive disorders began to increase. Mm. So it is good when we are able to meet these tangible needs and, and give up these resources that we're not only meeting a physical need, but we're also helping to reduce some of those anxieties, as you mentioned, and some of those um, precipitating factors that if they were to continue to just increase and be layered on top of one another will eventually could potentially, you know, balloon into a disorder, a mental mm-hmm. health disorder. Wow. So um, it's, it's interesting to see how what you guys are doing will also alleviate some of those um, opportunities just as well. Gives me hope too, to even see what that could look like in terms of a mental health coalition, yeah. you know, parallel that just mm-hmm. as well. No, I think that's, that's really, really important because something that goes along with all of that too is what these churches mean for the communities around them, right? So it's not just the church, it's not just the church goers, but a lot of these are the, you know, they are pillars in their community. When somebody needs spiritual uplift, when somebody needs a meal, uh, these are the, you know, the, these are the first responders. Uh, and so, you know, for us to come out of this crisis and for those to disappear is not just hitting the church, but it's hitting the community in general. Uh, and that's that's really one of the things we wanted to get at. 
So uh, I think, you know, God, again, God has been so good and this has such a ripple effect in a positive way. We want to make sure that we continue it and that it continues to grow and that churches get involved. We're not sitting here like we have to control it. You need to do it exactly. We're just saying, hey, get involved, do it the right way, do it in good faith, because, we're the, you know, the grants that we're giving out are no strings attached. So we're not coming in and saying we did ask them to explain, you know, there's an application process, explain why you need it. But once you, you get it, we're not telling you exactly what to do with it. There's a trust there. And uh, we want to we just want to get the relief there. Sometimes you just need to do what's right and not, uh, you know, kind of overdo it with all the guidelines and questions. There's there's a season for that. But right now we want to make sure that we're getting the relief to people. Yeah, absolutely. And that, again, I mean, you know, and I, I can't help but to filter things through how that just even helps people's emotional and mental well-being. It's like, okay, you know, I don't have to do this bureaucratic process, you know, all this red tape and I got to produce this and I got to produce that. And in the meantime, you know, things are compounding upon me. So exactly. I do, I just applaud what you all are doing. And I'm just so grateful to how, you know, God just um, has swept down with um, expediency and has just given such increase with a seed that was planted, um, you know, so um, as you say, kind of with the tweak, <laughs> you know, it's just Absolutely. It's really interesting. Well, I, I know this is your show. And so you can uh, say no to me if you want. I actually had a question for you that I've been wondering about. Sure. Yeah. So with the social distancing, uh, we know that some of that is necessary for health reasons. Do you see a possible issue with mental health coming from the distancing, though? I mean, I mean, could down the road, could that become an issue? I won't keep asking you questions, but I was interested in that. No, 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 no. I'm glad you did ask that. But you're absolutely right. And that is, is what I just also talked about on the most recent um, podcast. The research has shown that even from the SARS outbreak that took place, there was an article, a research article from 2004, that talked about the rippling effects, the PTSD that a lot of people um, dealt with the years following being in quarantine. Um, So absolutely, the isolation is producing for a lot of people anger. And we see that where people are demanding to be set free, if you will. Um, So you have that, that anger. You also have where um, a lot of depression is taking place. You think about the elderly who very well may not get out much anyway, but say Sunday going to church was kind of like their thing. And now it's not. And even if there comes a time in the you know more immediate future that we can somewhat safely gather, they may not be able to still due to their age. Right. So right. yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The social distancing Um, is taking a toll. And that is concerning to me because reading that particular article, and I'm not saying something is not happening somewhere. I'm just saying where my concern is and kind of what I've not yet seen happen is it talked about knowing that that is the effects of being isolated. What can the clinicians, the mental health clinicians, the public health workers, um, the medical doctors, what is it that we can do to go ahead and again to start to um, alleviate that with some kind of crisis intervention on those um, fronts? It was interesting because as I read the article, it just kind of almost made me think like, oh my goodness, it is today. It talked about how people were even frustrated with not understanding the infection kind of management protocols. 
you know, they're hearing one thing and then they're hearing something else. And so they just didn't really know what to expect. So that lack of stability and that lack of consistency, um, it really had begun to wear on people's psyche. So it seemed to me that if we had, or they had some sense of, okay, we get that this may be for the long haul, but if we have an idea of understanding consistently across the board what this is about, that it might've been a little bit better able to have been managed um, from an emotional and mental perspective than it was. It was just kind of the back and forth and trying to get to people and say, please give me some information and that inability to reach people. And that also further aggravated the fact that people are, you know, distanced from their friends and their families as well. So it's, it, it was just right. triggers. Okay. I mean, it triggers, <laughs> you know, it, it just, it continues to trigger those, those things that are already present. So, yeah, but thank you for asking that. Right. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thanks for answering. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm so thankful for the work that you are doing. I'm, I'm thankful for um, how you are casting vision beyond the pandemic. Um, I am grateful for this being an opportunity where that reconciliation can take place you know, even in light of some of the more current events that we have going on as well, people are, are wearing um, and they're tired and they're exhausted and they are at a place where it's kind of hands up. What more can I even do? And do I even want to attempt to do this anymore in terms of trying to engage in relationships or people feel like I am or we are the ones that are always trying, you know, like when will someone meet us halfway? So I'm really excited about the fact that you are able to cast a vision kind of beyond a here and a now. My hope is, my prayer is, I know, um, you know, I know what it's like when you just kind of at, your, at the end of the rope, but I hope in some ways that um, hearing you say that will also just kind of ease people's anxieties in terms of will it always be this way? You know, is there going to ever be a thing or a day where some of this will be maybe not as prevalent? Right. No, amen. Amen. I think we should all live in expectation of that and, and with hopefulness that that uh, that God will make that happen. And I think this is, you know, one uh, potentially one small step to us kind of thinking differently about how we engage folks who aren't necessarily in our church community, but are in the body of Christ and even outside of the body of Christ for now. So, yeah, I, I, we're really excited about uh, how God has made this uh, come together. I, I tell you this, the way that it came together as quickly as it did with people being so willing to to jump in, it wasn't me. <laughs> I could tell you that much. And so God, the spirit is certainly moving and we're just expecting greater things. Uh, so again, thank you for having me on here. Uh, something tells me that our, our ministries will be able to uh, uh, come together and coordinate on some things as, as time goes on. Awesome. Awesome. I, I surely look forward um, to that collaboration. And I even thank you for speaking about that hope. I, I was going to say, as we do prepare to um, wrap up the conversation, you've already given so much, um, you know, in terms of wisdom and, and rich insights. But if there was just one kind of closing thought that you would want to speak to 
um, the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I would say even just kind of more specifically in terms of you're continuing to speak to the health of the church um, and understanding how sometimes we try to separate these physical elements elements from um, the mental and emotional. But when we realize that it's, we are one body, you know, we, yeah. we, when we go to the doctors, we need to be looked at holistically. Um, and as you are talking about the entire, you know, body of Christ as well, what would be kind of your parting message that you would want to share um, just to the body of Christ? Yeah, I think this should bring, make very clear that we need one another, right? Uh, Whether we're, you know, kind of forced to social distance for reasons we understand or not, we have to find every way to connect, you know, whether it's on Zoom. I was with my uh, Bible study class last night on Zoom and it was great. I mean, it wasn't the same as being in the same room, but it was better than not seeing them and just seeing the smiles on people's faces. Reach out to people that you know may not, you know, maybe social distancing and not have a whole lot of people around, not have a lot of whole lot of people to talk to, um, don't have Zoom, so they need to, you know, they need to call or whatever. We need one another, uh, and as you know, who knows what's going to happen exactly with the economy? Who knows, you know, what what's to come? But we know we have the victory. We know that we have to come together, and that if we're together, whatever happens. Uh, that we'll be all right because God, God has all this uh, in His control, and whatever message He's sending us, we we need to pray, we need to receive it, and stick together. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much for that. Um, and if you will, would you please just share with everyone how they can um, follow you or contact you or stay abreast as to the events that you all are up to? Sure. So two things. First, if you want to uh, either give to uh, the church, you know, the, the Churches Helping Churches initiative, you can go to churchrelief.org.org, churchrelief.org. That's where you can find out more about that initiative and you can give uh, or even kind of be one of the churches that are put on the list to go to, you know, to, to possibly receive uh, funding or help from larger churches. And then as far as the Ann campaign goes, which again is a Christian civic organization, you can go to anncampaign.org, uh, find out all about us, or you can see me on uh, Instagram or, or Twitter on Justin E. Gibney, G-I-B-O-N-E-Y, Justin E. Gibney, at Justin E. Gibney. All right. Well, thank you so much again for being a part of our um, discussion on today. We have learned so, so very much from you. I'm so appreciative of the work that you are doing. Um, So thank you again. No, thank you and and take care, Monique. Uh, Hope to be talking to you soon. Absolutely. And so to everyone who has listened today, for those of you who have heard Mr. Gibney give us um, his, his wisdom and his insights, Um, He has given you the call and how will you respond? And the church said, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches.